What's up, fight fans? Welcome to the SB Nation MMA UFC 230 post-fight show. My name is Flying Brian J. Thank you so very much for joining me. As per usual, I've got at least one guy from the six-round post-fight show with me. The Zane Simon is here to recap this event that ended with a heavyweight fight that turned out pretty good. Zane, how you doing? And did this card exceed your expectations? No, not really. I had pretty high expectations going into this. I mean... I, I I knew that the main event would be a showcase for Daniel Cormier, but I actually like watching Cormier fight. He's usually a finisher. He usually is in fun fights. He's had, you know, a couple lackluster decisions maybe in his entire UFC career, but otherwise, win or lose, he's always been a lot of fun. So I was ready for that. And then I really like the whole all middleweight main event idea. I know that uh, Roberson Marshman wasn't that thrilling, but honestly – all the rest of the of those fights on the main card were great, so I uh, I got no complaints, and I went in thinking this looks like a pretty good card, and I didn't really understand what people complained about. I think there there you know I get that the UFC puts on a lot fewer good cards than they want you to think they put on. I realize that's the new reality, but it's also like the whole superstar thing of Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey, John Jones, GSP has really spoiled people to the idea of like a reasonable, good UFC card that doesn't have a superstar on it. They're just automatically like, oh, this is shit. Yeah, this entire night of fights, I even coming into it, like you said, the only thing it lacked was a superstar. We only have like one of those, and Conor McGregor can't be on every fucking fight card. Exactly. Like, I see people, you know, they they tweeted out the upcoming Ortega-Holloway card with, like, Shevchenko-Yoanna on it. And people are like, oh, I can't wait for that one. It's like, well, what's the difference between that and this, really? Like, Holloway-Ortega is a better title fight at the top. But there's no there's no telling that Yoanna versus uh, Shevchenko is going to be a better fight than Jacare Weidman. In fact, I would bet that it won't be more fun to watch. And I love Yoanna, but Shevchenko is like a stand-up grinder at, you know, by, by trade. She's not a thrill-a-minute fighter. Right, and the fact that this fight card ended, uh, the main card had four finishes in five fights, and Roberson yeah. Marshman wasn't... I thought that Roberson could have probably passed and, and looked for a finish. I don't, it seemed like he played it a little safe, but it, that fight wasn't terrible overall. And this fight yeah, card, uh, I thought it was going to be a, a four out of five coming in. I'm going to give it a like a 4.2 coming out of it, because I'm happy for Daniel Cormier. Um, I'm also happy for Ronaldo Jacare Souza. A lot of great things to come out of this card. A lot of matchmaking that we could make. I know that you're not going to stick around for this post-fight show too long, but I wanted to ask you, Zane, I know you're pretty good with uh, matchmaking. What do you think's next for Israel Adesanya? He got a TKO victory over Derek Brunson in the first round of the Curtain Jerker. Well, it's a little unfortunate for him that they're they're kind of, you know, there are a lot of, like Jacare got a big win in the main event. So there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, well, Jacare's paid his dues. He deserves a shot. We should really give him a, a, a big, you know, a, he should be next in line for a title shot off that electric win. Um, and you got, you know, still guys like Luke Rockhold's out floating around out there looking for his path to a belt. But with Luke Rockhold getting injured so much, I mean, and we already have the next middleweight title fight booked. I wouldn't mind seeing Adesanya versus Jacare. Like, what if you just make that fight for the top content, the next top contender? 
I'd like to see that. I'd actually love yeah. to see that. Do you think we'd be killing, possibly killing uh, the contender too early? No, I'm well, like at at the point where Adesanya is at now, it should uh, a loss to somebody like Jacare shouldn't be a major derailer. Like a loss, uh, somebody fighting somebody like Derek Brunson, who don't, doesn't have like a lot of, you know. Is a very good fighter, but isn't known as like, oh, this amazing, technical, massive fan favorite. People love watching Derek Brunson fight, and he's got all these, this interest and all this history behind him. Like, a loss to Derek Brunson, that would have been a hard setback, where people would be like, oh, Adesanya, yeah, he's he's met his obvious limit. But if he lost to Jacare after Jacare beat Weidman like this, I don't think anybody would be like, oh, Adesanya, he can't contend for a title. He lost to Jacare in, like, his, what, uh... 15th? 16th pro fight. Yeah, that wouldn't look too bad on him. And MMA's forgiving in terms yeah. of records. So coming and, into... And go ahead. I was saying is building the kind of hype and the kind of personality that I think it's going to be... You know, he, he can probably get... Maybe start to get away with some of the Conor McGregor stuff where McGregor, like, he loses, but he rolls right through a loss, and on the other side of it, everybody's like, "Oh, well, I can still, I still can't wait to see him fight, and I still don't think it's possible for him to lose the next fight." You know, right? So. And jo- Joyful porn on in the comment section says that they'd like to see Adesanya in a main event next before getting a title shot, and Jacare yeah. versus Adesanya could easily headline a, a fight night. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, I mean, I- Adesanya's already headlined against a way lesser name, so. Yeah, I mean, because otherwise, what are you talking about? For big step up from Derek Brunson, you're talking Luke Rockhold, Yoel Romero, Jacare Souza, Chris Weidman, and Robert Whitaker. Like, those are the people that are the next step up. Yeah, and Yoel Romero, is he still teasing the idea of going to 205 pounds? So I thought that was kind of not on the table for Adesanya. Yeah, I don't know. They uh, they were talking about him versus Paulo Costa a while ago, and then they then Costa got injured, or was it Romero that got injured? I think oh, it was Romero Costa said he got, wasn't ready to go yet. Yeah. Oh, Romero wasn't ready to go yet. That's right, because he had that really hard fight. And the, I, the thing I heard at the time was that they were looking at rebooking that fight. So I think your Romero may still be looking at hanging around 185 for at least one more fight. But there's always a possibility that he splits to 205. So you just once you beat a guy like Derek Brunson, unless you're just going to do a lateral move, which, I mean, Derek Brunson wasn't that huge a step from Brad Tavares, so you could, you know, keep him another fight right in that same level. But if you're going to start going steps forward, then those top five guys are all pretty much the same kind of difficulty of fight. Yeah, and outside of the top five, if we were keeping them on the same level like you were talking about, and if Paulo Boracina didn't get rebooked with Yoel Romero, I'd love to see. Uh, oh, yeah. be fucking great. Yeah, if you want to do another lateral step, you can do Adesanya versus Boracina, and that fight would be fucking amazing. I mean, Boracina's not as technical a kickboxer, but he's incredibly composed, and he's powerful as hell, and... It would that would be a fun fight. I there's no way I wouldn't want to watch it. Yeah, and basically Adesanya said it in his post fight interview after TKOing Brunson is he said uh, there's a lot of options for him on the table. He just wants to kind of see how it all shakes out and then yep. go from there. So he's and not only does he have great fight IQ, I think he's he's well aware of where he is. Eugene S. Robinson will nowhere anytime soon say that he's lost in the mist. 
<laughs> no, no. I mean, you kind of usually you have to like have been a title contender at least to get there. Maybe a champ. You have to kind of like you have to have been at the top of the mountain so that when you you keep like Chris Weidman keeps thinking like, oh, one more fight and I'm right there in the title contention. And you're like, man. Yeah, no, 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 you're not, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Do Do you think uh, Chris is on the tail end of his career? He lost the night in the co-main event uh, via t- TKO knockout know. in the third round to Jacare. I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it's one of these things where people want to say, like, oh, his chin is shot. And he's been he's been hurt a lot. In recent fights, he's been knocked out now four times in his last five fights. Yeah. So it's not good. His chin is certainly not holding up. But at the same time, like, that was two rounds of eating hard shots from Jacare, two and a half rounds of eating hard shots from Jacare without getting hurt, without getting really stung before getting just absolutely obliterated by that last shot. Is it, it's hard for me to say, oh, it's his chin so much as it's like, well, he still just has big defensive liabilities backing up and he kind of fights himself into getting tired as fights go on. I mean, you know, his his losses are in the fourth round, the third round, the Musasi one, which was kind of weird in the second, and then Jacare is in the third. It's not, this isn't like he's going out and he's getting hit once and you're like, oh, my God, Weidman's immediately hurt again. How did this happen? It's whatever's going on with him. I mean, he's taking way more damage than he should. So that's a a big concern. And I hate to see that in a fighter. And I would like to, you know, it's one of the things where it's like, oh, I might consider walking away. But it's also kind of, it's hard for me not to think of him being potentially in sort of an Andre Arlovsky deal where it's like, yeah, we've seen Andre Arlovsky get knocked out like 20 times, but. He hasn't been knocked out in like his past five fights, and he just has these random streaks where he'll just get KO'd all the time, and then these random streaks where he won't get KO'd and fights hard and seems like his chin is fine. The, the bad thing about Weidman maybe uh, losing his chin or whatever is before getting knocked out tonight, he looked really good. His jab yeah. cross, uh, he hurt Jock Ray's nose a bunch of times with a sting and jab. He had good fleet of foot lateral movement, and he was looking darn good right up until he was sleeping yeah and like i said it's not it's not the kind of thing it's not like uh bigfoot silva where he'd walk out and he'd get touched <laughs> and you'd be like oh he's hurt that's you know this is terrible again or you know we've seen this with we see that's like that's the the level where i really start to worry about the knockout losses where it's just like oh you you know you got stung by a hard shot and now the fight's probably going to be over. That's kind of like where Jake Ellenberger was late in his career run. And that doesn't feel like this, but it's still something's going on and it's not getting better. Well, and one if thing it's not getting better in a fight <laughs> career, it's only going to get worse. Like yeah, one thing about Weidman is even though he's been finished four out of the last five fights, I mean, he's fighting because he thinks that he wants a title shot in his next one. Every single time he's been facing like the, the top four guys in every single time out. Mm-hmm. Just give him a sub top six guy. Yeah. I mean, might the, be time for him to take a, a real step back. Yeah. Fight somebody, you know, fight the Derek Brunsons of the world to fight. Uh, that might be the fight somebody. to make. Hmm. 
Yeah, because Luke Rockhold, Yoel Romero, Gegard Mousasi, yeah. Ronaldo Souza, Kelvin Gaslam, that's that's a killer's row right there. Yeah. Like, give him a fight with Cesar Fajera. You know? Yeah. Um, or Shoeface. There you go. Well, yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? Seems like a bit of a waste of Antonio Carlos Jr., frankly, but if he got the win, then it would be a huge, huge win for him. Yeah, that'd be fine. Uh, so, I know i got to let you go soon. We didn't really talk about the main event. In the main event, Daniel Cormier submitted Derek Lewis in the second round, only took six punches and like three of those when he was in on a high single leg takedown. Uh, this really has no effect on Derek Lewis's career, right? He got the chicken, no. Popeye's chicken sponsorship. He got paid tonight. I think it was good for both guys. Well, and you got to look at it too and remember – who, can, who, who else at heavyweight can wrestle like Daniel Cormier? Like, no one. Yeah. Well, you, Curtis you know, Blades. Like, you, you got Stipe up there at the top who can do some of what Cormier does. And Kane's eternally injured. And otherwise, there's no great, like, there are so few really great wrestlers at heavyweight that. Losing like this, getting you know, getting more or less just have a clinic run on him by Cormier for Lewis, it doesn't mean anything if he's not fighting Daniel Cormier. You know? Right. There just aren't enough technical fighters in that division. Otherwise Lewis would have had this would be happening to Lewis all the time. He gets taken down in every fight. It's not like nobody knows, oh, I can't wrestle I now I know I can wrestle Derek Lewis. <laughs> this happens all the fucking time and nobody's good enough actually get to his back or hold him down they just get really tired and then he knocks him out the beautiful move that daniel cormier hit was when he got the high single leg takedown the second round and lewis just did this thing where he stands up cormier gets the front headlock and Derek tries to just stand up out of that and cormier just grabs his his heel boop yeah. it was gorgeous that's, that's the kind of chain technique that just it's kind of like yeah okay lewis obviously has nothing no answer for that but who else is going to do that? Nobody, nobody else is going to do that. Yeah, I was thinking, not even Curtis Blades. I don't. I've never seen Curtis Blades do something like that. But in yeah. the future, sometime I want to see Derek Lewis fight Curtis Blades. Yeah, okay. sure. And that would be that. That would be the other guy. Blades would be the other guy who might be able to chain wrestle to some degree like that. But he's not as technical as Cormier by any means. And uh, it, you know, it, he's not nearly as good a striker as Cormier either. So. Right. Do you think that, that there's a lot of uh, historic significance to Daniel Cormier becoming the first person to ever have two belts and defend both at the same time? Mm, I mean, do I have to think there's a lot of historical significance to it? Like, it's cool. It makes me happy for him. He seems like a good dude. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's heavyweight and light heavyweight. I mean, it's it, you're, when, when there are guys lining up like Derek Lewis and Brock Lesnar – I don't, I don't, how you know how how much weight do I have to give this achievement? Other than it's pretty shocking that nobody's been able to do it before. Well, yeah, the UFC just basically never let anybody do it. Uh, John Jones yeah. could, probably could have done it a long time ago. Yep. Hell, Randy Couture m tried and might have been. You know, Randy Couture was do he could never have both belts at the same time, but he was switching back all the time. And he was like forty four. Yeah, exactly. It's just. It's a really cool achievement. It's just not a talent. Neither division is so talent-rich to make me feel like, oh, man, it's just amazing. I mean, Anthony Smith is like your top title contender at light heavyweight. So <laughs> Yeah, which is awesome. But 
Uh, before I let you get out of here, let's talk about a, a what the fuck of the card. Do you got one ready? I haven't really thought about mine. Well, there's the obvious one, which is Tandan's no KO call on Weidman. Yeah, that, yep. That That's probably it. I mean, there were some fun fights on this card. There were some cool moments on this card, but that's probably the thing that is going to clear most clearly stand out in everybody's mind of like, what, what the hell was Dan Mergliata thinking there? Yeah, I mean, Weidman had his hands just like kind of flopping yeah. around, eyes in the back of his head. So he was just like, look at him, man, he's dead. What do you want me to do? And Dan's yeah. like, okay, what are we doing here? So he was like, hit him once, and Dan's like, okay, yeah, now it's over. <laughs> huh, what? Yeah. Uh, it's, this isn't really a what the fuck moment of the card, but I was surprised by this. Not really surprised, but I was waiting for something to happen. When Sajara Eubanks defeated Roxanne Mataferi, and Eubanks had said that she was going to like tell Joe Rogan off in her post-fight interview if she won, and there was nothing. Like, Joe Rogan interviewed her like a normal fighter. He had his arm around her. She had his arm. She had her arm around him, and then nothing. Like, so what the fuck? Uh, you know, a, it's the emotions of the moment. I'm never going to blame a fighter too much for, like, not jumping on some moment <laughs> after just beating somebody for 15 minutes. And, you know, you got the adrenaline pumping. You're in front of all these people. And you're just trying not to make an ass of yourself and be really excited. I'm never going to blame her for, like, turning it, in, turning it into some petty squabble with Joe Rogan. In the, and yeah, it's an opportunity missed, but she also already had, you know, she had a lot more people yelling at her than Joe Rogan after this whole thing with her missing weight and all that and the fight being, you know, not not the kind of not looking anything like the kind of fight that would make anybody go, oh, man, no, I get, you know, yeah, Shevchenko was definitely ducking Eubanks <laughs> to get that Atlanta fight. Yeah, I scored the second round for Mata Ferry. Yeah, it it seemed she probably pretty. She pro well. I'd actually I would I scored them all for Eubanks. Montferry got hurt pretty badly in that second round. Yeah, it was it was very close. It was kind of a, you know, I'm not a real judge, so I scored kind of wishful yeah. thinking. Yeah, I I get that. It, it's one of those things where like, Montferry did did a lot of hard work in this fight that looked busy, and you really want to score it because she's an awesome person, and you're just like, yeah. Fighting should all be about blue-collar <laughs> toughness and gritting it out and trying your hardest and not just somebody being a much more powerful person than you and being able to swamp you with being more powerful and hurting you worse than you can hurt them. And so. actually, in the third round, before getting taken down, Mataferi put some big right hands on, on Eubanks. If she had any more yeah. muscle, they would have been... They might have hurt her. Yeah, no, Mataferi, like I, I, I knew going in, I talked about it going in, that Mataferi could outland Eubanks two to one. The problem is that Eubanks can hurt her three times as much with every one shot as the two that, you know, as any one that Mataferi lands. So right. that's kind of what you thought. Mataferi was doing pretty good and getting in there and mixing it up, and then she gets head kicked and she's all, you know, wobbly. And it's just like, yeah, that's, you know. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that Eubanks stays at flyweight? Yeah, I, I don't think she has any interest in she. She's supposed to have a top contender spot already solidified, and that's drifting away the more she has to fight. 
but I can't imagine seeing that goal right in front of her. She'd want to go back, or she'd want to go up to 135 and start slogging up through that division. Although 35 is really, really shallow, so two wins would probably put her in a title shot there. Yeah, I'm mostly just kind of worried about her being able to make the weight, or if you haven't kidney shut down trying to cut the weight, just probably don't do it. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, yeah. This was kind of short notice for her. Yeah, I I tend to think that there's a lot of the weight-cutting experts out. Like, women very clearly have to go through some different shit to cut weight than men. And it feels like the science of cutting weight hasn't really caught up to that idea since wrestling is mostly a male-dominated sport. And MMA has, for the the long haul, been mostly male-dominated. So you get a lot of women trying these weight cuts designed for men and Suddenly they run into, you know, it sounded like she ran into her cycle at the end of her weight cut and was just like, you know, in the cage. She's like, well, and I, I'm a, I'm a woman. So stuff happens. Mm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So it's just, I, I think that there's probably, I, I, I would bet that she can probably turn it around, but it definitely is one of those things. It's a part of the sport that probably needs a little more work. Well, I'll let you go. Zane's getting pretty late. You can do the sign-off, and yep. then I'll cover the rest of this card by myself. All right. Thanks, everyone. You can find me on, at the Zane Simon on Twitter. Find me over at bloodyelbow.com day in, day out. And we'll have the sixth round coming at you all tomorrow at 3 Eastern, 12 Pacific. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back with the sixth round. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for being with me, Zane. Mm-hmm. All right, so sorry for keeping, like, I'm apologizing to Zane for keeping him too long. I'm supposed to keep him here for about 10 minutes to go over the the post-fight rating, the WTF, the card, the main event. I kept him for 20 minutes instead. Uh, what I am here to do now is recap the rest of the action that I didn't cover with Zane Simon. Uh, if you're here watching live, please give the video a thumbs up. There's going to be a ton of people later on that come and give a, give me a thumb down, because basically because I'm not Zane, and uh, this is a new kind of show. Anyway... Co-main event, Hinaldo Jacare Souza knocked out Chris Weidman as Zayn was covering in his what the fuck of the card in the third round in a fight that was really back and forth. And uh, if Hinaldo doesn't get a post-fight bonus, I would, I'm would i really close to giving that fight of the night. And if that's not fight of the night, you'd have to go all the way down to the fight pass prelims to Matt Frivola versus Lando Groovy Venata in a fight that ended in a majority draw to give uh, the fight of the night bonus to because... That one down there on the fight pass prelims was a fucking really incredible back and forth battle. But oftentimes these fights toward the end of the card that have more meaning to them, you know, there's a potential title shot on the line uh, in Souza's pocket now because he defeated Weidman in this fun fight that I scored the first round for Weidman, second round for Souza, and then of course the third one was going Souza's way. He seemed to get some energy and then mustered up. Uh, a flurry in the first like minute, he was really walking down Chris Weidman, ripping a lot of hooks to the body, front kicks to the body as well, and the the big overhand right and the <clears throat> lead left hook hit Weidman a lot, and so a fight that that had that type of thing, the back and forth, I think that might get fight of the night. But Chris Weidman, up until he got finished by Souza, was looking really good. I said his he, he was real fleet of foot, moving laterally a lot, uh, being able to defend the strikes from Souza in the first round, especially uh, get away 
with his movement and the, the sting and jab was hitting Souza in the nose time and time and time again. He might have broke Souza's nose, I'm not sure, but at least Souza was uh there was blood coming out of it and Souza had to breathe through his mouth, which you know that Souza doesn't have the best cardio, so I thought that Weidman getting him peppering him with those snipering jabs was gonna uh, allow Weidman to turn the tides and just kind of take over the fight as it went on. But you know, if, as you can see in the result, Souza gets the TKO in the third round. Uh, Weidman, I hope, I hope he takes a little time off, uh, recovers from this TKO finish, and then comes back, you know, a little refreshed or something. And then, like Zane and I talked about, a lower ranked opponent because he's been fighting these guys at the top of the division every single time out, and uh, he, you know, he's lost four times out of his last five via TKO finish. That's not ideal for old Chris Weidman. What's next for Jacare Souza? Uh, you know that fight without Asanya could be could be next. I don't know exactly how the top of this division is going to shake out because you got Yoel Romero right there at the top. He's already got a victory over Souza. Uh, Souza's now won two in a row. This one and the one before. No, he lost a split decision to Kelvin Gastelum. And before that is when he knocked out Derek Brunson. I don't know. Souza versus Adesanya would make a little, little bit of sense. Moving down, Jared, the killer gorilla cannoneer. Knocked out David Branch in the second round or TKO'd him. Beautiful, beautiful performance. It, I was very impressed with Cannoneer's takedown defense, which was phenomenal. Branch often got him down, but Cannoneer was able to get back to his feet, get an underhook, reverse position, and then get out of there from David Branch. And then getting that victory at the beginning of the second round. This is pretty amazing stat on Cannoneer. He's got a victory at heavyweight in the UFC. He's got a victory at light heavyweight. And now he's got a victory in the middleweight division. I was very impressed uh, that he was able to make the weight. And he looked really freaking good. He was shredded, cut like a diamond. But when he made his UFC debut and he knocked out... uh, Well, no, he made his UFC debut. He lost to Sean Jordan via knockout. But then he beat Cyril Asker. And I think that on that night, on April 10th, 2016, I think that he told... Joe Rogan that he was thinking about moving he could move all the way down to middleweight I'd have to watch that film again but I didn't believe him like this heavyweight thinks he's going to make it to middleweight I know that people like Shoeface have done it because they fought in the ultimate fighter at heavyweight but that's a different scenario here he is at middleweight and and Coming in, we thought that he would have some issues with the wrestling of David Branch because he had been wrestled by like Glover Teixeira um, but Evidently moving down in weight, he carried the the strength and is able to ward off the takedown attempts. And probably he's been working on it, on his takedown defense and his grappling ever since that Glover Teixeira fight. Because when he uh, moved down to fight, it must have been his fight against Dominic Reyes. On my live stream, I said it was against Ovin St. Preux. Uh, but against Dominic Reyes... That was the first time Cannoneer had ever trained full-time for a fight. Before that, against Jan Blachowicz, Nick Rorick, Glover Teixeira, Ian Kutilaba, Cyril Asker, all of those, he was still working part-time, or at least not training full-time. He was, he was working as a TSA agent at, at an airport in Alaska or some shit like that. Uh, good move. Now he's in Arizona training at the MMA lab. John Crouch, Benson Henderson. Awesome performance from Jared Cannonier. Uh, really happy for the guy. Before that, Carl Roberson defeated Jack Marshman. On the feet, uh, Roberson was hitting Marshman with some pretty solid left hands. But 
then he got the fight to the floor where he had a clear advantage and he just kind of sat in side control for a long period of time and, and didn't even try to pass guard to get into a mount. Didn't look for submission, nothing. Just kind of held the position. And uh, I was pretty sad because I had Roberson inside the distance in a parlay. So I was kind of upset that he didn't go for a finish and he was just kind of winning on the judges' scorecards. If you want to know what I did for for bets on this card, I, I was plus 5.08 units uh, for an ROI of 23%. It was pretty decent. Um, don't follow my bets, though, because I'm down on the year. Moving down on the card, Israel Adesanya versus Derek Brunson. Adesanya in his post-fed interview said that he wanted to make Derek Brunson get a little crazy. Patney186 says, Jared, thanks for the win. A plus five, 350. Nice play, Patney. That's a, that's a great snipe on that. I'm proud of you for, for getting some, that cash on that, my friend. So Adesanya, he said he didn't know if Brunson was going to come in reckless like he did against Whitaker or cautious like he did against Anderson Silva, and he came in cautious. And Adesanya hit him with some, you know, some long snapping strikes that forced Brunson to get a little um, crazy. Essentially, really tried to force takedowns against Adesanya. Adesanya did a good job getting under hooks, dropping his hips to ward off the takedown attempt of Brunson. Adesanya hit Brunson with a right hand. Well, Brunson was changing levels to come in and try to get on the hips of Adesanya, and Adesanya just brought up his right knee, hit Brunson, hurt Brunson, kind of stumbled him back, and then a right hand dropped Brunson. Um, and then like I think it was like a left uppercut when Brunson was on a knee that he hit him with, and the referee called it over. Impressive performance from Israel Adesanya. He said he wants top five opponent next, but he's going to sit back and see how the division shakes out. I think good on him. Before that, on the preliminary card, Jordan Rinaldi versus uh, Jason Knight. Rinaldi basically won this fight with takedowns and then back-mounted ground control. In the first round, he... Rinaldi took Knight down, and Knight was happy to play guard, hit Rinaldi with elbows off of his back. Knight was hitting... Uh, body lock triangle off his back to control the posture of Rinaldi. I, whatever. In the second and third round, Rinaldi was able to get the back of Jason Knight, but Rinaldi was never able to sink in a rear naked choke, but got a clear unanimous decision, 30-27, 30-25, 30-26, and that is the fourth loss in a row for Jason Knight. So if my boy Rob Amon was here, I'd say that he would cut Jason Knight and he would be going to Bellator or something. Before that, Sajar Eubanks versus Roxanne Mataferi. Covered that kind of. Shaman Marais defeated Julio Arce. Split decision. 28-29-29-28-30-26. Weird. Uh, I, I was doing some things to prepare for the live stream that I did for this event during that fight, so I missed it. Sorry, I'm not going to talk about it. Before that, Lyman Good knocked out Ben Saunders in the first round. In the pre-fight show over on the MMA Mania Twitch channel, twitch.com forward slash MMAmania.com, I said Ben Saunders spends too much time trying to get plum clinch knees. He got knocked out by Patrick Ote by doing that. I said I think that he's going to get knocked out by Lyman Good by doing that. And that's exactly what happened. Ben Saunders grabbed the Muay Thai clinch, going to knee Lyman Good to the body. After the fight was over, Ben Saunders said he thought he hurt Lyman Good, but obviously not. Lyman Good... Fucking uppercutted Ben Saunders right into the, the sleepy realm. Lyman Good, what's next for him? I don't know. First of all, he's got to like, fight twice in one year because his last fight was in July of 2017. So he needs to fight like twice within a six-month period, and then we can talk about what's really next for him. 
Before that, on the Fight Pass prelims, Matt, uh, the steamroller for Vola versus Lando Groovy Venata. Wow, what a fun, what a really, really fun fight. There was a point in the first round where Venata hit a right high kick on Frivola. Oh, that reminds me. Adesanya versus Derek Brunson. Adesanya went with a question mark kick or a Brazilian kick on the left side of Brunson. And it hit Brunson's shoulder. And Brunson's like, hey, you hit me in the shoulder, so fuck off. Then a little bit later, Adesanya hit it on the other side. Boom. Smacked Brunson and hurt him. And that's when Brunson went in for that takedown and caught him with a knee. Anyway, Matt Frivola got hit with a, a right high kick from Venata. His mouthpiece popped out. He kind of went to the ground. And, uh, or was that the second round? I think it was the first round. And I thought, ooh, Venata's going to get this finish. I bet this fight wouldn't go the distance, so I really wanted it to be stopped. But Venata got a little crazy, got a little reckless, and Frivola started to put it on Venata. Frivola hurt Venata a lot in the second round, but then Venata was able to outpoint Frivola in the third. It was just a back-and-forth battle with a lot of ebbs and a lot of flows. Venata now has lost uh, two, well... He's had two draws in his last five outings, and he hasn't had a victory since December 10th of 2016, the wheel kick knockout of John the Bull McDessey. So he only has one UFC victory. But I think the UFC needs to keep this guy. He's super exciting. His first four appearances in the UFC were all uh, post-fight bonus worthy. And I think that he had another post-fight worthy uh, appearance tonight. So I think we need to keep him despite not having won a fight since 2016. We'll see what really happens. Uh, featherweight fight before that, Shane Burgos, Kurt Hollibaugh. Hollibaugh dropped Shane Burgos with a left hook. Hollibaugh followed Burgos to the ground, and immediately when, when Hollibaugh got on top of him on the ground, Shane Burgos locked in an armbar. Just fucking spam immediately. Insanity. Like, that was that was a really fun moment as well. Uh, I feel bad for Kurt Hollibaugh because he... He was pretty emotional when he got his chance in the UFC at Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. It looked like he was going to get a victory, knock Shane Burgos down, and then got subbed as soon as the fight hit the mat. Uh, and Shane Burgos, I think we got we got to fade this guy in the future. We need to uh, bet against him because he got knocked out by Calvin Cater. He got dropped by a left hook of Kurt Hollibaugh. And I think that in his next fight, because he's... He's a finisher. He's, he's well-known. A lot of people know him as a striker. I think he'll be a favorite again. I think we should just fade him blindly. I don't know who he's going to fight next, but anyway, we've got to fade him blindly. Marcos Rogerio de Lima versus Adam Vishorek. Not exactly the most exciting fight in the world. Marcos Rogerio de Lima um, kind of did some takedown work on Vishorek. Vishorek took the fight on short notice. Okay, guys. Now... There's 93 of you watching live. I got to pass it over to you. You're my co-host now. What post-fight rating would you give this entire night of fights? And also, who would you give your post-fight bonus to? Vortex and Marcos Cabrera, who won the main event. Daniel DC Cormier submitted Derek the Black Beast Lewis in the second round via a rear naked choke. So, no, Derek Lewis did not win. Post-fight bonuses. For me, I'm going to give... Uh, I'm going to give performance bonuses to, <coughs> excuse me, Ronaldo Jacare Souza, Israel Adesanya are getting my post-fight bonuses. Fight of the night's going to Matt Frivola and Lando Venata. And because I'm not actually giving anybody any money at all, my extra $50,000 pretend post-fight bonus is going to go to Jared Cannonier. That's it for the... No, wait. 
Patney, 186. Did Johnson win? I don't think there was a Johnson fighting tonight, bud. Do you mean Derek Lewis? All right, Patney says he's giving a fight of the night to Jacare versus Weidman. All right, Patney, who gets your post-fight bonuses? While I'm waiting to hear your guys' post-fight bonuses, please give the video a thumbs up. I really need I really need your assistance. That would mean a lot to me. Uh, while I'm waiting on you, let me take a look at the Twitter machine and I can see what the real post-fight bonuses were. But I want to know what your guys' post-fight bonuses are before I can tell you what these ones were. One pause for a second. Uh, Adesanya must be at the post-fight press conference. He says he picks his shots like a surgeon. Mm. Oh, at the post-fight press conference, Dana White says he's got an opponent in mind for Adesanya, and it's not Luke Rockhold. Ooh. Okay. You guys ready for the official results? Patney's giving Cormier a performance bonus. The official post-fight bonuses are fight of the night, Chris Weidman versus Jacare Souza. Should be Jacare versus Chris Weidman, but nonetheless. And performance bonuses go to Israel Adesanya and Jared the Killer Gorilla Cannoneer. Which, man, like I said, Cannoneer used to be a TSA agent, and he just started training full-time when he fought... His last time out, not tonight, against... Oh, my God. I'm blanking so hard. I don't have the best memory, guys. Dominic Reyes. That was the first time that he had trained full-time without a secondary job. So to get this extra $50,000 is huge for him. And this is the third time that the dude has been given an extra $50,000. Why was he still working part-time? Anyway... We're going to be done with the show, guys. Thank you so much for joining me once again. Give the video a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. And I'll see you next week after UFC Fight Night 139, the Korean Zombie versus Yair Alpantera Rodriguez. Thanks again for being here. Namaste. Oh, you can get the audio only on uh, on SB Nations or MMA Nations podcast feed. Thanks, guys. See you later.